You're listening to Lanyap, a weekly digest of news, personal finance, brotherly banter, and whatever else is on our minds. From Stokes Family Office. All right, this is Doug and Greg Stokes with Lanyap Podcast. We have another special guest this week. He's an attorney. And before you start thinking, oh man, what's interesting about an attorney on the podcast, this is such an amazing story and we're happy to have him with us. We have Richard Chen, who's helped us in the past related to compliance questions that we had and and launching an asset management business. And he was referred to us by our existing compliance consultant and legal counsel. But Rich, we first met maybe six months ago in discussion about a, a new venture that we're going down and and we were referred to you by a trusted advisor of ours. We had several discussions with you and we we moved forward. And then all of a sudden we get a, an email from Charlie Tibley in our office. He says, you got to check this out. This is an amazing story. And there's a YouTube video that we can link just going through your past. And I'd just love to, maybe I'll just stop there and, and just say thank you so much for joining and maybe tell us a little bit about yourself, Rich, and then we can just get into this discussion. Yeah, no, thanks so much, Doug, Greg. I appreciate your having me on. My name is Rich Chen. I am a uh, completely blind attorney. So going back, I was born in Pittsburgh and uh, I lived in New Orleans for a stretch as well when I was very young. And my parents, my brother is also blind. So my parents, you know, they did a lot for us growing up. They made a lot of sacrifices in my parents helping my brother and me back in the late 70s, early 80s, really get the best out of what we could, particularly from an education standpoint. And a lot of what they did really stuck with me, you know, always expecting the highest that we could accomplish and, you know, giving us the opportunities and, you know, truly foundational from very young age. Fast forward to college, I went to Harvard College and uh, Harvard Law School more years ago than I want to recall now. But it was a really, really great experience. And, you know, really taught me, expanded my horizons a lot. You know, I really came to appreciate other aspects of, you know, sort of what I could do. I always grew up playing music, played piano and um, cello, violin and other instruments. But in college, law school, started really getting into more athletic pursuits. So ran marathons in law school. I was almost a black belt in Taekwondo before uh, law school really kicked in. Um, and, you know, I started my professional career at some number of large law firms in New York doing corporate work and became interested in investment management early, right around 2000. And I've been practicing as an investment management attorney ever since. And uh, it's been amazing. Uh, I launched my law firm practice, Richard L. Chen PLLC, about three years ago. Just passionate about serving entrepreneurs and really lifting them up, right? Really helping them in two major areas. One is on the regulatory and compliance side, and one is on the legal side with, you know, structuring of businesses and reviewing of contracts, as well as drafting and structuring a private fund. So that's a lot of what we do now. We also do some mergers and acquisitions work and as well as employment work for advisors. So, you know, a lot of wealth management firms and some of them who launch private funds. And it's a real privilege to be able to serve RIAs and just to really help them, you know, to grow their business. But yeah, it's been it's been a great ride. And uh, yeah, <laughs> that's a little bit of the background. Rich, were you born blind? Yes. So I had a little sight, enough that I could read from a, a machine back then that was used a lot more called a, um, 
closed circuit television. It had various manufacturers. Basically, you would put some material under it, it would come up magnified on a TV screen about 20 times. So I could read text like that and got through law school and my early part of my career that way. But about uh, 11 years ago, uh, one day I woke up and realized that there was a blue spot in my eye and it, it turned out that my glaucoma had gotten worse to the point where I lost the rest of my eyesight about uh, three or four years ago, probably right around the time that I launched the law firm practice. So short answer, long answer is, yes, I had some usable site, not very much. I still traveled with a cane, but now I have no usable site. So how do you operate on a day-to-day basis today without the ability to see? Yeah. So a lot of it is really something that I exercise a lot in everything I do, which is to really be a good problem solver. And I think that's really fundamentally important. There's always challenges, always things. Technology is a huge help. I use a computer that reads text to me. So when I instruct it to read an email or a website, or I type in letters into the computer, then it will tell me what's there. But at the same time, you know, the technology uh, doesn't always keep up with the latest innovations. And so there's always issues to tackle, but that's, that's how I get a lot of my, my work done is through my computers. Um, it's called uh, text-to-speech output. On a day-to-day basis, in terms of traveling, I use a mobility cane. And uh, yeah, the funny part about that, that really hasn't changed a lot in, you know, I don't know, decades. So it's kind of an interesting contrast. So from the text-to-speech standpoint, how quickly is the output from the, the software program to what you're listening to? It reads quite fast. So it's typically about two to three times faster than regular speech. So you really get used to it. And it makes sort of navigating through work a lot faster for me and navigating through, you know, even recreational listening to podcasts and things like that. So about two to three times faster. <laughs> So I want to talk a little bit about just from a competitive standpoint, mm-hmm. and, you know, there's a edge or, or lack thereof related to eyesight. Yeah. And the most interesting piece, you know, coming up, basically being you know, blind your entire life and then, you know, getting accepted to Harvard College, going through Harvard Law School and then practicing as an attorney. How did you view yourself competitively against other either students or you know, people in the legal profession as it relates to just gaining any sort of edge educationally or professionally? Yeah, this is why my parents were so fundamentally important at an early age. They set those expectations really high and didn't tolerate excuses and things like that. And that really, I think, for my brother and me, He actually went completely blind earlier. He also went to Harvard College and is a practicing lawyer now too. But it really set the expectations high where to this day, I can't recall ever thinking, oh, I can't do this. And, you know, for better or worse, (laughs) it's been a huge thing. I'm a big adventure guy. So, you know, anything that's possible, you know, we'll do it. I've done skydiving, bungee jumping, you know, whitewater rafting on class five rapids. So, you know, if it's out there, I like to do it. You know, one of the things we tell our kids is, you know, try anything once you don't have to like it, but you got to try it. And so it's so important for us to instill, you know, the high expectation and to expand your horizons for our kids, which is why part of the reason we're traveling now. So, (laughs) and you mentioned offline that you're in the Azores. So tell us about the Azores. Azores is is a beautiful place, an island where people are so friendly. 
the temperatures are sort of really mild throughout. It probably ranges from 55 to 85. It rains a bit more in the wintertime, but they tell you in the summertime here, it's so peaceful. Just uh, you get, you know, sort of views of the ocean from every angle. We did, you know, whale watching yesterday. We went to a bull run the other day. We went to exploring volcanoes and caves on Saturday. So it's lots to do. But at the same time, it's a good opportunity to rest and to spend time with the kids and uh, still get some work done. (laughs) So from a recreational standpoint, you mentioned some activities like whitewater rafting and traveling. Mm -hmm. Can you expand kind of like on the traveling that you've done and some of your favorite experiences and then what you do from a day-to-day recreation activity standpoint? Oh, well, uh, a lot more we did before we had kids, but we still travel with them. I've uh, traveled to over 40 countries, I think five continents at this point, maybe six. Yeah, six. And so, you know, love Asia for the food, Europe for the history. And, you know, South America for the nature and Africa as well for the nature and the hospitality of the people. We definitely are adventurous. We like to do the local things. So go to the local grocery store, stay in local neighborhoods, meet local people. But also, you know, it's great to see the great sights of the world. When we're at home, nowadays, not as much on the recreational side. I do collect a lot of sports memorabilia. I mean, a lot of Athletes, I've probably met over 160 Hall of Famers in the various baseball, basketball, football, and, and hockey. So I meet a lot of athletes and they, um, you know, they sign various things for me. So it's uh, that's always been a huge thing for me. I'm a big sports guy. So it's fun to meet your heroes in person. So, In terms of your collection, what's your prize piece? I own a, uh, a gold jacket from one of the NFL Hall of Famers. That was a two-way player. A guy named Chuck Benaric, he played with the Philadelphia Eagles. That's probably my favorite piece. You know, I love collecting trophies. So I have a Silver Slugger Award. I'm trying to get a Gold Glove Award or Cy Young Award uh, at some point in the near future. But yeah, it's, it's lots and lots of fun. I think meeting the athletes a lot, even more so than getting the autograph, you know, jerseys and balls, is just loads of fun. Just, you know, so many of them are so so nice and it's really great to, to do that. <laughs> So tell us a little bit about your professional career. You mentioned you launched your law firm a few years ago. What were you doing? Who were you working with prior to that? And and just a typical day in the life of Rich Chen. Yeah. The great thing is that there's no typical day, which I love. And part of it is just, you know, having developed a lot of areas of knowledge that can support advisors, you know, we really get to see a huge variety of things. But I think it's also helpful because we can see across different issues and be able to identify a problem, which, you know, if there's knowledge in a certain area that you may not necessarily be able to see. And so I definitely have enjoyed working with RIAs, entrepreneurs like myself, you know, I sort of think that basically, like everything else, it's a problem-solving exercise from day to day. And the problems are different from day to day. And so, you know, from our perspective, you know, we have certain constraints from a regulatory and legal perspective. And, you know, the first thing that we do is to try to help folks to understand, you know, where those constraints are. But then the more important thing is to help folks to find solutions to the problems. And I think that that is the thing that can really set folks apart in terms of whether or not you serve as a good advisor. And that's what we try to do the most. You know, that's that value add. I hope that we bring the most to people. 
And what was the decision to go off and you know start your own business? Yeah. Versus work in you know as an attorney in a, a large firm. What was the impetus for making that sort of decision? And then just sort of the risks involved at the time as you look back and say, you know, what was I thinking? Or maybe that was the best decision I ever I made. Walk me through that particular process. Yeah. So as with most folks, you know, whatever business you do, the hardest part is making the leap, right? It's oftentimes like letting go of the cliff and just taking that leap. That was really the hardest part because sometimes you're not sure. Sort of, you know, especially if you have uh, family and kids, you, you need to support them. You know, I'm a man of faith. I believe that the Lord really set us up with an opportunity where he gave me a part-time role to work with one of my clients. And that really helped to create a transition that was really, really helpful to getting this practice off the ground, you know. But the impetus for starting the practice was the fact that I felt like there were a lot of things that areas of knowledge that I could bring to bear, the employers that I have weren't necessarily focused on all those things. And I felt like there was a certain way of serving clients that I wanted to bring that was different from, you know, some of the things that the companies that I work for, it wasn't really necessarily part of what they were looking to do. And so it's been great being able to expand how we can help folks and really doing it in a way that I think is so fundamentally important, which is, you know, being responsive, empathetic, you know, as an owner of a business myself, as well as adding the knowledge, right? It's a multifaceted piece to being a good advisor. And, you know, that's what I really wanted to do with this business. That's great. I have a question about your personal experience that I think is, it's just interesting. And you talk about all the places that you've been. Mm -hmm and the sightseeing that you've experienced. And I, I want to just ask how you perceive natural beauty. So if you're in the Azores, yeah. and you have ocean views from every window. What is your perception of that beauty? Maybe take us in the mind, you know, when you're in some obviously naturally beauty, but it may take eyesight to perceive it. Yeah. So yesterday was probably a good example of that, right? So we went whale watching yesterday with the family and there are naturally a lot of other sensory things that come into play, but sometimes there aren't. And so, for instance, you know, we saw sperm whales and they don't make a sound when they surface and they dive. And so I couldn't necessarily detect that. But at the same time, you know, I could tell when the dolphins are jumping up and down. I can sense that. But it also happened to be at the same time that they and a bunch of birds, which I heard around, were diving for sardines. And you could smell the sardines around and just, you know, get that mental picture of what it's like. And just the fact that, you know, the other senses are really enhanced has been, been really helpful. I, I won't lie. I will say that it was very, very difficult losing the rest of the eyesight because at least in the past, so we would go to Brazil or something, see you know, the Christ Redeemer statue or something like that. If I use a huge camera or uh, binoculars, I could see it. So I miss that. I miss being able to see games on TV. You know, we don't even use a TV anymore, but, you know, partly because we have kids as well. But at the same time, you know, life is too short to focus on what you can't do and what you can't experience. There's so many things out there to experience that, it's better just to look forward to what you can do and, you know, the possibilities out there. I mean, because there are so many of them. So I think 
yeah, that's how I perceive it. I think that's such an awesome attitude to have. So from the standpoint of your travels, you mentioned that you've mm-hmm. been to six continents and 40 countries. Do you have any specific places that you absolutely love and want to go back and are at the top of your list? I know that it's probably something that it's hard to distill down into one single place or one single moment in time. But do you have any anything that comes to mind? You know, I really, really enjoyed being in Africa. You know, I'm a big wildlife person. I know my kids would love the animals. The one thing that really struck me in Africa was how hospitable people were despite having very, very little. And I think for me, that really transformed my perspective on, you know, living where we are and, you know, there's still being, you know, for myself and others, you know, just like complaining. And I look at that and it really, really shaped my perspective on what it means to be grateful and to reach out to others to be a blessing to others. And so hopefully, you know, as the kids get older, we'll have the chance to go back and visit certain places that they can go safari. But also, you know, Egypt was interesting just because of the history as well, you know, being on the African continent too, but probably mostly for the, you know, reasons before Africa, I would say. That attitude, just a very positive forward-looking attitude is is something that's admirable and, and we absolutely respect. I'm interested, you mentioned your kids a lot. What sort of values, you know, top of the list values do you want to instill in your children and, you know, maybe for others to take away from this conversation? Yeah, you know, love God first, love people, really look at them for who they are and be generous and kind to people, treat people of all backgrounds, you know, equally, but also to appreciate their differences. And, you know, that is a lot of it, you know, really being a blessing to others and making sure that they really take that to heart. Absolutely. And Greg and I both have young kids and Greg are a little bit older than mine. So, you know, at the point now where they can start to take these lessons and put them in practice. Absolutely. I'm always looking for tips because I was about to kill both my kids yesterday (laughs) evening while we're swimming at the pool. (laughs) (laughs) It's amazing. Yeah. You know, sometimes trying, but at the end of the day, it's, it's crazy how, uh, how much you love them. You know, it's a pretty, pretty remarkable. Yeah. So Rich, I think there's a couple of things that I'm taking away from this conversation. One, you know, positive attitude forward looking, you know, sometimes bad things happen to good people and you can't take that as a, you know, from a victim mentality, it's always trying to, trying to compete, trying to, you know, if, if anybody can do anything, then I can do it as well. And always trying to move forward, but also just a complete sense of humility and, and being able to respect not just the situation that you're in, but also that there are other people out there that are in much graver situations than, you know, we complain about here in America and yeah. that have a, such a sense for life and hospitality. And I think that that's, you know, one thing when we talk to anybody that has experienced the African continent, I think it's there's a very similar response. Mm. That if you've spent any time over there, any extended time over there, you know, you fall in love with the place. There's a relationship with the people there, with the nature, with the animals, mm-hmm. um, with the beauty. And so I find it interesting. And we were talking before we hit record about a conversation we had with uh, Jonathan Schaefer, who lives in Rwanda mm. and moved his whole family over there. But just this sense of 
belonging and beauty with Africa that you really don't find anywhere else. I find it interesting that you mentioned Africa today as well. Yeah, it's a truly, truly unique place. The people are so special, you know, and just I really root for it. You know, the people of Africa, you mentioned humility. Humility is so important, too, because there's always something that we can learn from everybody. I always try to take that that attitude. And that's why it's so fun to meet new people and to hear their experiences, too. Absolutely. Well, Rich, I wanted to thank you for joining us today. And this is just a pleasant conversation with you. I want you to get back to your trip. I don't know what time it is over there, but um, you can obviously be doing much better things than talking to a couple of guys over here back in the States. So enjoy your trip. And thank you so much for joining. Uh, Truly a pleasure. Loved it. Thank you for having me. I really enjoyed it. And definitely, you know, I'm always happy to share. So if your audience wants to reach out to me for, you know, any questions about uh, my background or whatever. If I could be helpful, you know, don't hesitate to do that. Thanks so much, Rich. Yeah, my pleasure. Thanks for listening to this episode of Lanyap. This podcast is brought to you by Stokes Family Office and produced by Reverb. If you liked this episode, consider sharing it with a friend. You can subscribe to future episodes in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. For more information about Stokes Family Office and Lanyap, visit us at stokesfamilyoffice.com. The information in this podcast is educational and general in nature and does not take into consideration the listener's personal circumstances. Therefore, it is not intended to be a substitute for specific individualized financial, legal, or tax advice. To determine which strategies or investments may be suitable for you, consult the appropriate qualified professional prior to making a final decision.